0: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select Campus miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears.
1: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call, quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
2: I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast! podcast.
7: Let's get your flex on. Here's Dan Beyer and
6: Mike Harmon.
8: It's playoff time as we bring you another edition of I Want Your Flex. Get Mike on Twitter at Swollen Dome. I'm at Dan Beyer on Fox. Try to help you. With some fantasy questions and dilemmas that you may have entering super wildcard weekend but before we get to the six games on saturday and sunday mike we have to talk about the big story in the nfl that's really started to brew over the last couple of days and it's deshaun watson's unhappiness in houston as now there's a report out from espn's adam schefter that says that watson's unhappiness in houston the latest reason for him to be unhappy in houston (laughs) is because of the front office not really taking his information or his opinion into consideration when hiring new general manager nick casario so now watson who tweeted out you know some things never change Feels like things just aren't changing in Houston, despite the impression that maybe he and some of his teammates would have a voice in how things could change in Houston.
7: Well, at least we got some clarification as to what the hell he was talking about.
8: Yes, it was Because right? it, it was
7: one of those things like you get on Facebook oh, what a terrible Monday. But they don't tell you what a terrible Monday it was. Because you want to have a bunch of people say, oh, sweetheart, what's wrong? That's what it felt like with Deshaun Watson on this one. Call me if you need. Yeah, exactly. You're the best. (laughs) The best. Got to be the best. But, yeah, it's one of those scenarios. Look, if they promised him that they'd let him have his say, then at least pick up the phone, let him have his say. Whether you actually do anything with that information and you're muted on your Zoom call, and you, you know, take your picture down and you look to your left and right and say, what the blank is this guy talking about? That's fine. He still got to have his say. You were a man of yes. your word. And if that's legit what transpired with ownership, that he was supposed to at least have a, a meeting to talk about these things and what he thought would be helpful, then they should have at least granted him that. Whether it should be with the GM, right, for the hiring of the GM is a big part of this story that I think needs to be discussed. like I, I don't think he, he could talk to him about the, the hire of the coach and the picking of the groceries to compliment him on offense thereafter, but that straight, hey, here's what we want from a GM, I don't know how much a quarterback or anybody on the All-22 really should have a say in any of that.
8: Well, it, well, it is interesting that the Patriots are seemingly going old school because I think that there is a new school mentality. Heck, John always steps aside from his GM duties and Vic Fangio is going to have a say in who the new GM is. And that's what you see more and more, you know, throughout the national football league. And honestly, who knows how long Vic Fangio is going to be in Denver. (laughs) Mismanage
7: fourth quarters and get, get more responsibility. (laughs) Right. So,
8: So there's this, there's this kind of new school sort of way of, of looking at things and Houston is going old school. And, and to your point, I understand where Deshaun Watson and them maybe would want to have a say in a head coach. But if you were going to have that head coach GM mutual partnership, I could understand why Deshaun Watson and uh, his teammates would want to have somewhat of a say. But with the structure that they are going with obviously that's not the case and really everything you you summed it up to the point of it's just optics like the the optics of do whatever you want with the information that you're getting but don't let deshaun watson find out on social media that you've already hired a general manager don't let your you know meetings that you have Mm -hmm. with deshaun watson and then not be able to convey that hey we took what you said into consideration however we went this way instead he has to draw his own conclusions and so the optics of it are, are, are bad and the the way that things go, the, the way that the Texans have gone about it are going bad, and the one thing that the Texans don't have that maybe other teams have is the leeway to go up, to have things go bad because it's been an absolute S-show over the yeah. last couple of years anyway. So now to have this, just the actual hiring of your new general manager seemingly be another S-show, that's where I think the problem is. Long-term, who knows what happens in, in Houston, and I want to get your thoughts on, on that as well, but with, with how everything has gone, you at least just want the optics of doing something right, and so everybody's kind of on the same page. And the Houston Texans, once again, fail to do that.
7: Yeah, because when that tweet came out from Watson about, you know, saying nothing changes, you know, the, immediately you start going into a bunch of speculation. Is it about social justice? Is it the Jacob Blake news that had happened earlier mm-hmm. in the day? Is it about the fact that there was a report that Eric Bieniemy wasn't going to be talked to, at least at that point? by the Houston Texans, and that's a guy that was on his wish list? Is that the thing? Is it the GM? Like, all of it plays together, not to mention that they'd already gutted the squad ahead of that. Now, you still had some speed receivers, and Will Fuller, once again, we say this for how many years is it now? When he's healthy, he's a hell of a receiver. Problem is, like, David Johnson even acquitted himself quite nicely. Not worth the investment and the trade, quite obviously, but... You look at just the, the returns and you say, all right, there were at least some good things. I want him traded to Miami so that Casario can be Kevin Costner in draft day. And say, <laughs> I want all my picks back and I want David G.D. Putney just because I feel like it.
8: I'll, I'll say this. I If you went to Miami and did that draft day sort of move, I, I would be okay with it more so than what I've heard with the Jaguars or Jets mm-hmm. doing that sort of deal. Because to me, and I think Deshaun Watson's great, and I know that you and I look at things a, a little different from the fantasy perspective. He's been magnificent fantasy-wise without DeAndre Hopkins. And when I look at the Jets and Jaguars, and I know Jacksonville has a lot of money, but that some of that money then would be used to, to be able to absorb Deshaun Watson. The point of the matter is, is there are more weapons actually in Houston than there are in those other two places. Maybe DJ Chark ends up, you know, being even more of a player and James Robinson's the running back of the future for Jacksonville, but we don't know what's going to happen with the jets. Yeah. There are guys there, but so, so to put Deshaun Watson in one of those, those two places just tells me that it wouldn't be the smart move for those two organizations, because what is going to change if the talent level, on those two teams is less than what Watson had to work with, and that's all that he could work with in Houston. So to me, Miami would make much more sense than it would to go to Jacksonville or for him to go to the Jets, for that matter.
7: Yeah, I mean, if he goes to the Jets, it becomes a, all right, is he there? Do you make the deal? And then he gets to help pick the coach. Is that the deal? He works with Joe Douglas to figure out who's going to help run this offense. Maybe Denzel Mims is a a guy, and maybe in the draft there's another piece that's able to come. At least with Miami, they have an identity, right? You look at Bill O'Brien and the last couple of years, even with DeAndre Hopkins there, the offense often seemed predicated on uh, Watson will figure it out right? He'll, yeah. he'll keep a play alive long enough for Hopkins to break containment or when Fuller's healthy, he's got man coverage. He gets over the top, all of those kind of things. But it was all just based on the talent of Deshaun Watson. At least in Miami, it seems like they have an idea of what they want to be as a team. So I I, I could be okay. I mean, yes, they need weapons and, and, and such to go through. You go down to Jacksonville. I love Chark. And obviously, Robinson's a great story. The best thing about Robinson is he ain't he costs you nothing yeah. for the next couple of years. Um, Keelan Cole probably leaves in free agency. Not that he's an every-week guy, but certainly as you and I watch things, not only uh, for our work here at Fox Sports Radio, but for the fantasy side of things, he pops up on the radar, not as consistent as you like. Chenault Jr. looks like he could be a player. So you at least have some pieces That, all right, I kind of can see offensively if you build the right system and bring in the right guy to be your coach, that it could work. But it's going to cost you an awful lot <laughs> to bring that in. I mean, they're talking what three first-round picks is the you know word plus probably. I mean, it is a draft day trade. I want all my first, all my seconds, and everything else. So, uh, but just one of those. It's great for the storylines, right? We got GM openings and that carousel. You got all these coaching openings because of Zoom calls. Everybody gets to interview thirty-seven guys. It's like speed dating, Dan. <laughs> Ding next. What?
8: What I notice a lot of is so-and-so is interviewed with five of the, out of the six teams with the vacancies, and usually number six is the Texans. <laughs> Eric Bieniemy that case. Robert yeah. Sala, that case as well. And uh, maybe Nick Casario has a, somebody in his mind, maybe that – that's the plan moving forward, and there'll be a resolution to that. Who knows? But the Deshaun Watson saga—we got a little bit more information as the as the week ended up going on. I just to your point of what you said. Uh, let me see. I just got a text here from Nick Casario. It says <laughs> we have not yet figured out who our head coach is. So that's yeah. so there, at least that. No, I'm just kidding. It was my buddy Simon, and I just Hi, didn't turn off my my ringer. Nah,
7: it's all good. Uh, <laughs> the the, uh, the
8: point the, the point with all of this, I think we could sum it up this way. The price tag is enormous, as you just said. The price tag would also likely have to include a pick uh, early on in the draft uh, for the 2021 campaign. And for the amount of teams and where they're going to want to go, there are very, very few options outside of the one that you brought up with Miami. Because I just don't think it's smart for the Jets, and I don't think it's smart for the Jaguars to pull that sort of move when you would risk everything for the future, with the talent around you now, if Atlanta wanted to do something crazy, and you have Calvin Ridley there, and you're like, "All right, Matt Ryan's going to move on to San," you know, that that could be something different as well. But at least with the top two in the draft, I will not believe anything with the Jets, and I will not believe anything with the Jaguars when it comes to Deshaun Watson.
7: Being no, I, I agree. I, I don't think those are <laughs> any any way, shape, or form something to look at. Uh, I think with Houston, just just quickly, and and this is one just I get to get to let marinate. How much is perhaps you don't want to play for the owner?
8: Oh, I think the J.J. Watt comments of him saying that walking off to Sean Watson saying, sorry, we wasted yeah. your year. I think that he, you know, he knew the mic was on him.
7: Yeah, that's the other guy that needs to be traded too. by the way. Yeah, uh, but if you th- can get J- someone to take off his contract, you send him away and then you just blow it up altogether.
8: I think that J.J. Watt knew what he was doing, knew that it was going to be heard, and knew that it would go out there to try to get that message out. And that leads back to the point of, yeah, I'm not sure on how many people are anxious to go there after you see. um, I don't know. Maybe they'll talk to Laramie Tunzel, and he'll say, it's great. They overpay you when they have to trade for you. It's awesome being in Houston. But another situation uh, I'm not so sure of. And the other point with Jacksonville, I'll just throw this out there. There's no way they're going to trade him within the division. All right, let's talk about some playoff teams, yeah, Mike. Go. We have six games in a Super Wild Card weekend. I thought, honestly, and I'll admit this, and it reminds me of when Super Bowl Forty was in Detroit and they had the XL logo. People were confused. They were like, "It's Super Bowl Extra Large." Like yeah. they didn't they didn't know the Roman numerals <laughs> because usually people don't get up to the to the L's to understand. So there was mass confusion <laughs> on what they thought of the Super Bowl Super Wild Card weekend. I just thought was like. All right, it's going to be super. It's awesome. But the NFL is going full force with the extra games in each conference of saying it's super wild card weekend. So we've got three on Saturday. We've got three on Sunday. Let's just go through them in order because things kick off uh, just after 1 o'clock Eastern time on Saturday. Colts and Bills, and if uh, we're going to dive into if you want to play a fantasy, uh, a daily fantasy sort of thing. Uh, feel free to take notes and and listen up because this is how we're going to dive into. But Colts-Bills, I think, is a dandy to start off the six-game schedule that we've got on Saturday.
7: Well, it's one of my favorites because now it's vindication time. I've been on the Josh Allen bandwagon going back to the beginning of last year for fantasy and just what the potential is. And then watching everybody jump on my MVP bandwagon. My quads and hammies, Dan, over the last month. I'm straining with so many people jumping on board uh, that tape but you look at an offense uh that's explosive you got John Brown back which is huge right to, to have another speedster mix therein uh with alongside yeah. uh Stefan Diggs and you, you look at hopefully a little bit of health at the tight end position not that it's been huge but you need to be able to deploy a little of that as you go uh and then you look at Singletary and Zach Moss getting it done it, it's it's strength on strength and you, the we got question marks at both quarterbacks is really what it comes down to right people a lot of folks still are waiting all right josh allen you got to show me in a big moment and then you got the career of philip rivers where it's been one missed big moment after the other
8: yeah and he said this week you know super bowl hasn't you know weighed on his mind of winning a super bowl and we're talking about game one like I like the Colts as a team to run through the gauntlet that they'd have to, to go through the Super Bowl uh, would be something else. But just step one is going to be difficult enough. And I think they're going to need Phillip Rivers because I don't think that the Bills have any intention of running the football on Saturday. I think it is going to – against mm-hmm. that Colts front, I think they are going to try to, to – attack the back end as you said john brown's back cole beasley's got the knee injury that's kind of been you know hampering him so his Mm -hmm. status is is a little little up in the air but i think it's a full josh allen sort of game just because of of what the colts are on defense which means that i don't think you could just run jonathan taylor and stop buffalo and end up winning that game
7: yeah i don't think they're scoring up points Yeah, Yeah, I I think Indy gets bottled up because it's going to be on the arm of Phillip Rivers. And while Buffalo hasn't been the lockdown defense that perhaps we expected, right, they've been beatable uh, downfield time to time, who's scaring you in that Indianapolis offense? Right? If they can't get Taylor off early, and that's been the, the, the thing the, for the last six games of the regular season, he went for 90-plus, obviously had the 253 against Jacksonville, uh, one week too late for fantasy owners. Uh, but they've scored 24 points plus eight straight games, so a little bit of encouragement there. But we've seen collapses. We've seen them get tired and get picked apart in the second half of games. And I think patience. Josh Allen makes plays with his legs, makes plays with his arms. They cover the six and a half.
8: There's a still a little bit of an uh, acclamation period with Phillip Rivers and, and T.Y. Hilton. Crazy to think that you would have that uh, towards the end of the year. But Hilton was banged up just in the last couple of games. Games that the Colts needed to win. Yeah. Uh, seven targets and just three receptions for T.Y. Hilton. Uh, did have the two-touchdown game against Las Vegas. Went on a nice little streak there uh, towards the the uh, end of November into early December, but they are, they are going to need him. Reminds me of a game when the Chargers, when they were in San Diego, faced the Seahawks fresh off of the Super Bowl's uh, Seahawks Super Bowl win. It was week two. Seahawks come in. They beat Green Bay on the Thursday night game, and you're thinking wow, Percy Harvin's there. They're going to uh, do their thing, and the Chargers held the ball for like 43 minutes of the game. Like they just did not let the Seahawks uh, mm-hmm. touch the football. And I'm uh, and I'm thinking that in that game as well, Philip Rivers had to make plays, and that would be the type of game that I think Indianapolis needs if they're going to win in Buffalo on Saturday.
7: Can't trust him. I think the uh, Philip Rivers saga for 2020 ends, and then the questions for 2021 and the hand wringing begins. Of what do you do with the position?
8: Yeah. Wentz, <laughs> how
7: about that? Yeah. yeah,
8: could be, could be that opportunity. What about Nehim Hines? As if you were to play a daily, do you, do you like that at all? If the Colts are from behind, where Philip Rivers is at, um, just value wise,
7: yeah, based on valuation, yeah, I th- I think when we look at the six games, uh, Hines is certainly a guy based on the number of targets because I, I got to expect a lot of dump offs and just trying to make some hay. See if you can at least stretch a little bit. So I I think that's probably your your best op- opportunity from from Indy because on a daily perspective I mean look Taylor's value is going to be too high yeah right? I agree so you know to try to make any hay you've got to go a little bit counterintuitive so yeah go to the number two guy
8: um, you like the Bills big in game two on Saturday I don't expect a big points day between the Rams and Seahawks and that is even if Jared Goff ends right. up playing for the Rams. I think that the Seahawks are not where they want to be, and it's not a Russell Wilson problem. Russell Wilson is obviously the quarterback, so a lot draws on him, but I think that Pete Carroll would like to run the football better than they have. They finally have their three running backs that you that w- with Chris Carson, Carlos Hyde, and Rashad Petty coming back from from that knee injury that he suffered last season. It's there, It was there for Seattle. It was set up, and they were division champs. But there was never a point during, during this final stretch that even in the win against the Rams that they had two weeks ago in week 16 to clinch the division where things were moving for Seattle, obviously with Russell Wilson – and obviously with the running game, neither was necessarily where you want them to be. Now you got Goff coming in with his own thumb issues. You got Cam Akers dinged up. Offensively, this just looks like a stinker when it comes to Daily Fantasy on Saturday.
7: Yeah, no, this is uh, kickers. I mean, I you would expect Ramsey. <laughs> right? right? I mean, I would expect Ramsey to be following Metcalf and harassing him most of the day. Uh, your, your better option, like golf might be healthy. You might want to go to, and we'll talk about Washington in a minute, but talking about going to the committee situation mm-hmm. and, and see more of Wolford and see what you're able to bring, uh, like, cause other than the interception, which was one of the worst throws I think we saw in the 2020 season. Okay. That early pick, I was here in the studios. I know you were prepping for your show on Sunday morning and watching the games uh, that was right before you would have gone on air. Yeah. So I was like looking around, going, wait a minute. Who? Give me the all 22 right now. I want to know <laughs> who he saw that looked like he was, you know, a friendly face to catch the ball. But otherwise, he controlled it well. He moved well out of the pocket, seemed to get through his reads and just, all right, I'm tucking. I'm not taking chances. Protect the football. Because what do we talk about all the time? It's still 80%. Win the turnover battle. Take care of the football.
8: (laughs) That's the scary part that I think with the Rams. And I just, with golf, it's one thing to be able to throw the football in practice, Mike, with that thumb injury. Game situation, I'm not saying you can't do it. What I'm saying is that you aren't thinking about protecting it. And there's a play on a follow-through. I mean, he hit a helmet when he heard it. Right. So is that going to affect in in a low scoring game? It's those sort of things. If you're on a defensive play, I think both teams are great. Even with Cooper Cup back, I, I mean, mm-hmm. remember Cooper Cup had to, to miss Week 17, so he'll end up being back for the Rams. There's just not a lot there. The health of the Rams running back scare, uh, running game scares me. The Seahawks' inability to get their running game going. If there was anything that I, that I that I would. If I had to pick something, I think Russell Wilson's value is going to be too high. I would take one of the cheap Seahawks running backs, Carlos Hyde, or even a Rashad Penny if they get an opportunity. But otherwise, um, yeah, I just, I'm just i not interested in, in playing a lot of guys from this game.
7: Yeah, this is what I think this is where you uh, sit back and maybe you have lunch, maybe you have a beverage or two, and you just enjoy the game for what it is because this is going to be a slugfest, right? Yeah. Two pretty good defenses. I mean, especially when I'm talking about Seattle the last eight weeks of the season. And the Rams' offense is certainly not where they want it to be, tied for, what, 22nd in scoring, you know, despite the McVay genius. They were first in points against. Yeah. So something's got to give here. Uh, Player two with Wilson, maybe with his legs, to make something happen. I like your Carlos Hyde, again, just because valuation, right, where you're trying to— to go and and zag while everybody's zigging, but I'm just not looking at uh, much firepower here at all. Uh, Cooper Cup, maybe with just for the PPR side of it, maybe you can as a third wide receiver, but otherwise, no, I think I stay away.
8: Uh, My guy... Jason Myers. That that would be the guy. Nicely You're talking about done. the Rams scoring defense. Yeah, maybe maybe you'd go with the uh the Seahawks kicker. Then the nightcap, you alluded to it. Washington is home to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mike Evans considered a game time decision because of his a knee injury, questionable. Got in a limited practice on Thursday. Washington's banged up. Alex Smith has that calf injury. They still have that front seven. And Chase Young says he wanted Tom. He's going to get Tom Brady in the Bucks on Saturday night.
7: So he's now uh, Chase Young's texting me to say I want Tom again. Uh, <laughs> Like you want to talk about a non-story? I mean, I don't know about you, Dan. I think we covered that for about a half a second when I had some sarcasm drip off the side. Yes, he said he wanted to get after Tom Brady. Yay! You got a star player that you know basically did his best WWE shoot interview uh, when it came to Chase Young. But I like Darian's response of, the, be careful what you wish for. He's yeah. made a lot of people look bad through the years. Now, the curiosity is, how does the offensive line hold up? Because early in the season against better opponents, they didn't. And they've gotten better in the grades that you see off of all these websites, pro football focus, whatever. They've gotten better. And obviously that offense has gotten a lot better. Why? Because these guys actually played together. Yeah. Right, First half of the season, folks forget how how much Evans and Godwin were limited by injuries? Antonio Brown wasn't there. Gronkowski was coming off of a year and a half of cruises and being in the Fox NFL Sunday crew. It took a half a year. Guess what? Tom Brady got back at it for 40 touchdowns. And I, I, I think they embarrassed Washington. I don't, I don't care what the defensive metrics say.
8: What What if... Washington and Ron Rivera live up to what Rivera said earlier in the week, that they may have to rotate quarterbacks because of Smith's calf injury. Uh, you know Taylor Heineke, I, I, the one position that I'd never want to cheap on a daily fantasy is at the quarterback position, and especially in this situation there. But I, I don't think that even if, if Heineke plays, you can get a tangible upgrade on anybody else from what they already would be.
7: No, Tampa's, uh, what, first against the, the run. So Antonio Gibson is a – you'd have to look at the valuation and decide if it's low enough to roll the dice on him, I guess, based on being a number one. Uh, You're looking at Tampa as the third highest scoring offense on the Washington side of things. we, We know. Obviously, it worked better when Alex Smith was there. But for the year, they still averaged less than 21 points a game. It's not like it was all slug it out and the defense making a stop, giving you a chance to kick a field goal. Uh, I would love to see what's in the, the back section of their playbook, right, with Heineke if you want to get really creative and go hybrid like New Orleans does. Maybe there's something there. Maybe you got a couple of gadgets that'll just come out of nowhere. Uh, but I'm not banking on it because you also would be banking on the fact that Tampa Bay's defense is a bunch of suckers. And I'm not, I'm not banking on that, not with a playoff on the run and, and knowing – You know, you're not going to have this team together, right? This is a one-time, this seems like a one-time performance, right? Everybody came back together like a super group for a cash grab because Godwin's a free agent, Antonio Brown is going to want a ton of money, Gronk, who the hell knows, and Brady's 43 years old. Doesn't mean he doesn't want to come back, but I I think you get an all-in effort here, and it starts uh, against Washington. One of the great stories... Right? I, I talked about it earlier in the week when uh, everybody was all mad about Doug Peterson and all. It's like, how about they laid down because the two best stories, well, three, I guess. One, you drop the Redskins nickname. Two, Ron Rivera beat cancer. Three, Alex Smith came back from the horrific injury. Oh, and four, you get to blank the Giants. There you go. Four <laughs> reasons why you tanked for this one.
8: Well, I'll, I'll 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 say this that that would be that would be something. It would be like the Michael Strahan uh, <laughs> gifted sack from Brett Favre. True. Uh, there there could be the revenge there. The uh, with Antonio Brown's future uh, Tampa, who knows? You mentioned Godwin. Hopefully those pewter uniforms uh, yes. won't have a future in Tampa. Those things can get out of town because next year we could have the return of the creamsicle. That's what would be amazing.
7: Well, what can we do, Dan? I mean, it, there's got to be a petition or a go fund yourself or something to where well, we can get the creamsicles back full time and just be done with it.
8: What it's good, what's going to happen is the NFL just needs to change their one helmet shell rule, which allowed – uh, which eliminated the ability to wear different colored shells. So that's why some teams could wear a throwback helmet because their color was basically the same, like the Broncos when they would put the D on, oh, on yeah. the helmet. It was on the Navy helmet, so you could continue with that. Didn't make any sense. It was all just optics because they wanted to make it look like they cared about concussions. So they said, okay, you can only have this one shell. Realistically, it doesn't matter. Guys break helmets you know, I don't want to say all the time, but guys break helmets and they get a new one, and essentially that's what's going to change. If that happens, look for the Eagles as well to have uh, go back to a Kelly Green uniform for at least one game.
7: Well, so. think about it. I mean, the Notre Dame they they bust out the gold paint after yeah. like, do a paint job, be done that's... with it. Same shell.
8: Yeah could do that apparently the nfl just has no time or they just haven't figured out the marketing and how they want to do it so 2020, yeah 2021 uh could be the year for that let's quick run down the sunday games yeah much more appealing in my eyes uh for a fantasy weekend of the three games that you have uh titans ravens i think is amazing i think that lamar jackson is going to uh have a great game against tennessee i think that this is his playoff coming out party and if it isn't mike then Anything that you say about Lamar Jackson not doing anything in the playoffs is fully, absolutely rubber stamped, one hundred percent warranted because there should be a lot for the Ravens against Tennessee.
7: Yeah, this is uh, going up against a defense twenty fourth in the league. Tennessee, we talked about it uh, briefly at the jump of this uh, podcast. Of uh, that, that's the which one of these is kind of not like the others. Uh, in Mm -hmm. terms of performance, right? We know what offensively they've done. You've heard the arguments a little bit for Derrick Henry for MVP. You see the stats from Ryan Tannehill and what A.J. Brown and Corey Davis have been, Johnny Smith at times. But Baltimore was my preseason pick to go to the Super Bowl. I got no reason to run away from it now. The run game, they found their identity. Yes, I wish I could could have cloned Ronnie Stanley and had him there on the offensive line, but they've at least gone back to basics. Jackson touching the ball as a runner, double digits most weeks. Gus Edwards, you know I love Gus Edwards, and J.K. Dobbins has been fantastic. They average yeah. 191 rushing yards per game, Dan, and that's it. Derek Henry can't run if he's standing on the sideline watching his defense get run over.
8: I think Hollywood Brown's going to have a shot too. I mm-hmm. actually think that there's going to be a big play with him. Tennessee doesn't stop anyone. Ravens actually have had difficulty stopping anybody uh, for for the last couple of weeks, so we could see some points in Nashville. I would say four and a t- half
7: is your over under. How man? much is it? Fifty four and a half.
8: Yeah, I think. I mean, yeah. you know, all your usual suspects, obviously of Henry, AJ Brown, Justin Brian Tucker.
7: Yeah, all the way yeah. down the line. But yeah, I mean, the the Ravens to me. Like you said, this is this is Lamar Jackson's game. If they if they bounce out here now, it took a lot to get in. Some might try to excuse it with COVID. From a roster management, I think they still need one more wide receiver. As much as I love Mark Andrews and what yeah. I think Hollywood Brown is. Boykin pops up now and again, but then he disappears as quickly as he arrives. So uh,
8: Des Bryant's popping up,
7: you know what I mean? Well, but that's just it. <laughs> yeah, right? But, right? but can like, Des be a consistent guy? No. 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 So, so I, I need one more. I need one more. It's like Ocean's 11. I'm building my team. I need one more.
8: Yeah, the, the 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 point of Dez was to support your your. Cause, oh, okay, to, uh, I thought you yeah. were just kind
7: of mocking no. me. You're going, Look at Dez! No, Get no, I was, the cross. Let's I was go. not throwing up the X in your face. That
8: <laughs> that was not happening. Uh, happening. Mitchell Trubisky, I think, has an opportunity to, if he wants to. But mm-hmm. if they beat the Saints on Sunday, oh, I don't know how in the world you don't have him back next year. If you're if you're Chicago and I know that's right in your backyard where uh, where you uh, your roots are deeply planted. But another game where I think we could see some points. I do think the Saints are going to get after Trubisky a bit. But if he comes through and gets through uh, like they have the last couple of weeks, we could have some fun in New
7: Orleans on Sunday. I can't wait to see what kind of creativity lasers got for this one. Right. You got Pierce. He's one of those big like you want to talk about bottom barrel roll my dice that I get a big player to Pierce, the backup running back there in Chicago. Not that New Orleans gives up a ton on the ground, right? They're one of the top teams uh, fourth in rush defense. So David Montgomery might be stymied a bit, but I think you get rolled the pocket. They've been creative, except week 17. It looked like you had Nagy back at the controls. I was a little little nervous as the way the the offense ran. From the Chicago side of things, I I think the most unreported and un- because it's not sexy, right? It's not. Uh, is The defense hasn't played well for half a season, right? As good as they played early on, or yeah. as well as they played early on, the famous Tom Brady holding up four fingers and wondering where his life had gone. All of those, like, it's a different team. Like, they're not getting pressure consistently. The run stuffing, it wasn't there for a few weeks with Akeem Hicks. We'll see if perhaps they can get back and keep Alvin Kamara at bay and – Murray and, and company and every everybody Taysom Hill, which I'm, I'm guessing we're going to see a lot of Taysom Hill uh, in different looks this week against the Bears' D. But it's up to Chuck Pagano. Like, I think the offense will have its day. I think Allen Robinson. I think Mitchell Trubisky. I think those guys are solid daily plays. But the, the big question is, can that Bears' defense generate a turnover? Hell, Aaron Rodgers gave them minimum four would-be interceptions in Week 17. They didn't catch any of them. And then gave I, up touchdowns. Yeah.
6: <laughs> yeah. They,
8: they were right there. I mean, they were, they got in, yeah! you know, they were, <laughs> but, but they were right there. The, uh, this, on the Saint side of things, Michael Thomas expected to come back. Also, this I actually really like Emmanuel Sanders in this game. Yeah. Um, just for familiarity. Um, I think you could see Jared Cook get into the end zone as well for the Saints. Kamara out of the backfield. Obviously I agree with your Taysom Hill. I, I, I I wondered why Sean Payton did not use more of Taysom Hill towards the end of the regular season. I am then going to go with everybody who told me that he is saving it for the playoffs, so I think that you're going to start to see it on Sunday. But I I think that Emmanuel Sanders actually will be the guy to step up big time for the Saints, even with Michael Thomas coming back and Hill's expanded role. Um, I
7: dig that. I'll still take the Bears plus 10.
8: All right, That's fine. That's fine. I think we're going to see some points. Finally, um, we're not going to see many Brown starters. Uh, (laughs) COVID, Joe Batonio out. Ronnie Harrison out. Uh, Olivier uh,
7: Vernon on the defensive side, so Miles Garrett doesn't have his tag team partner.
8: Yeah, a a rough go of it. Good news for Pittsburgh. Uh, Fantasy-wise, as you look at at this game, there's just, to me, there's not huge upside on Cleveland outside of the names that we already know. Nick Chubb, Jarvis Landry, um, you know, Rashard Higgins, but... I I just I am not not in the playoffs, not against Pittsburgh, not in Pittsburgh, not without Kevin Stefanski there. I'm just not high on putting anything on the Browns considering the week they had.
7: Yeah, I mean, the big curiosity here is, you know, much like Washington, is there that extra chapter in your playbook? Right, because we've seen gadgetry, right? We've seen Jarvis Landry throw a bunch. Can one of those other receivers suddenly have an arm on them. The offensive line has had a lot of injuries. Do they hold up? Right? I mean, Petonio was was huge. I mean, mm-hmm. we know Wyatt Teller and a, and a couple of the other guys on that line, they've missed time in the last two, three weeks with injuries. Are they going to be enough? When you look at Pittsburgh, once again, 56 sacks to lead the NFL. And a week off, sitting and watching and pointing. Sure. And, and enjoying things. So a uh, very difficult spot for Baker Mayfield. You know, you talk about Lamar Jackson and his reputation and, you know, what people have to think about him. Like, Baker Mayfield, while he doesn't get a pass, he's he's just got the deck stacked against him He in does. this one.
8: But he does have the opportunity, like Mitchell Trubisky has, to maybe change that narrative yeah. because I think it's going to end up falling on his shoulders. Uh, I expect Pittsburgh actually to lead throughout this game, and so I expect – Cleveland to actually have to make a push, and it's going to have to be with Baker Mayfield's arm, in if, my mind.
7: All right, if you're going to roll the dice on one Pittsburgh receiver, who is it?
8: I I'm going Deontay Johnson. I I I I just say, I think when it comes down to it, that's who Ben trusts the most. Even though we saw Deontay Johnson drop a lot of passes. I think last week they just threw it up to Claypool, uh, Claypool a bunch because Mason Rudolph was in there. Mm. But I think they have something to gain, so I'm going Deontay Johnson. I would go Johnson, Claypool, uh, Juju, James Washington. In for that
7: daily order. purposes, I'm going to go Washington as as the glue mm. guy here with his big okay. mitts over the middle. But I agree with you with Deontay Johnson. The one thing, you know, for everything we laugh about Ben talking about his injuries and retirement and all of those things – The one thing that you saw consistently was he went over to Deontay Johnson and he trusted him, and he Mm -hmm. wanted to talk him through the yips and the problems, whereas most quarterbacks or even Ben in the past probably would have unbuckled his chin strap and been caught on on air muttering something that we were trying to decipher, which combination of the dirty words he said. This year it was, no, the young guys need (laughs) – yeah I, this guy's good I'm going to need him if we're doing anything
8: and, and I'll say this I rank the receivers as I did I don't think that James Washington will finish to your point of playing him I don't think he'll finish fourth of the receivers but if I had my order and who I would want yeah I just don't think Washington becomes number one no, sure I, I think if, if Johnson has a big day that means that Juju probably doesn't and Washington's numbers probably outdo Juju's yeah. so that's that's how I look at it. when so I actually don't mind what you said about uh, Washington being a daily uh, fantasy playoff.
5: Do you love Selena?
8: Like, really love?
5: Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano.
9: on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts,
8: or wherever you get your podcast. All right, so we, we've given you a look at the six playoff games. We have also took time in our last episode to kind of look back at the fantasy year, and we're going to continue to do so as Mike and I are going to alternate in our episodes as we uh, go through the playoffs of our top fantasy moments, stat lines, situations, Of 2020, I'm going to take the first two today. So I guess I'm going to just put it at number 10 on our list. You can have eight and seven. I'll take 10 and nine. I loved what happened in week 13 with Darren Waller and the Raiders going to the Jets and having the game that he had. Because all that we remember, Mike, was Greg Williams blitzed. and sent everybody, and the Raiders ended up winning that game. What we forgot was that Darren Waller had 13 catches for 200 yards and two touchdowns, the highest amount of points that you would get from a fantasy tight end in about 18 years. Shannon Sharp had a a 214 game and uh, two touchdowns uh, in 2002. So it was that fantasy game. And the reason why I put it was not only was it huge for the tight end, it was also around the time, a couple of weeks after the Taysom Hill tight end debacle, yeah. where everybody was uh, – and I hated it. I hated Tyson, Taysom Hill at the tight end position. I said on this podcast, I thought if he was playing in tight end in the league, it was a joke, it was a farce. And I was glad that Darren Waller – uh, actually outscored Taysom Hill in what he could have had uh, when he actually played quarterback the week that he played tight end. So I'm going Darren Waller, just heck, you're 200 yards and you're a tight end, week 13 against the Jets. And then the other stat line mm-hmm. that I'm going to throw in, way, way back, think way, way back to week one, Steven Goskowski. and listen, I'm pointing out good and I'm pointing out bad, one for four on field goals, One for two on extra points. But the one field goal he made was after missing three, kicked that 25-yarder to beat the Broncos in week one for the Titans. So Steven Goskowski and his one for four field goal nights and one for two point after attempt night, one of the – let's just say rougher nights that you would have in fantasy football for a kicker missed four of the six kicks that he attempted, but still got the last laugh with a game winner.
7: Oh, I love it. The fact that we got a kicker into the top 10. It's I mean, a beautiful thing. And the Waller thing, right? I don't know how much we discuss the, the move of Greg Williams, but to, to go all football and, and what I had said on, on my show with Jason Smith on Fox sports radio is everything else still had to sync up. Right. It was the ultimate glory play. Sure. Right. Because if they get home and four guys land on Derek Carr, they celebrate at midfield like they won the the bleeping national title game. (laughs) Instead, they fail spectacularly. And by failing spectacularly, everything had to go right. Right. Carr had to get enough loft on the ball. They had to get enough separation down the field. And as we've seen with young wide receivers this year, we were just talking about Deontay Johnson. He still had to catch the bleeping ball 45 he did. yards downfield.
8: He did. And I'll tell you what, if if Greg Williams didn't do that, what we would have been talking about is how Greg Williams allowed Darren Waller to go off for 13 catches and 200 yards and couldn't keep him out of the end zone. So, hey, hey good job. Good thinking, Greg Williams. <laughs> they won't talk about that. They'll talk about the, uh, the blitz pickup. That's right. All right, Mike. Get ready
7: for a super wild card weekend. Oh, I'm fired up. Hey, we got to do one more pick though before we say goodbye. Oh, okay. What's that? Monday night, the Ohio <laughs> State Buckeyes, a oh. seven and a half point underdog against the Alabama Crimson Tide. As you and I record this, the game is still being played on Monday night.
8: <laughs> Did I ever tell you a quick story? I don't like to. For those of you who don't know, I've I've been an Ohio State football fan since I was about seven or eight years old. I even have an article when I was like ten years old. They wrote about me in the local paper about being an Ohio State fan. And when I was a senior in high school, I I, I remember I was mouthing off because I was like I was I was so confident in Ohio State and what they were going to do, and I was mouthing off how they were going to go to Penn State and dominate Kerry Collins, Kajana Carter, and Kyle Brady and those Penn State Nittany Lions. And Ohio State lost sixty-three to fourteen. They were absolutely demolished. And from that point, Mike, I said, I can't make any more predictions. But you know what I think could happen on Monday night? If they don't have a defensive line, it's not going to happen. Like it's the only way that they can win the game. But I think if if the defensive line is there and is being played, then the Buckeyes have a chance.
7: Plus seven and a half. I'll take the points. There I'm taking go. them to win outright. All right, all right.
8: Get him on Twitter at Swilandum. You can find me at Dan Buyer on Fox, and always reach us at I Want Your Flex. Enjoy Super Wildcard Weekend. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Tuesday morning. Looking ahead to the divisional playoff matchups and looking back at that Super Wildcard Weekend. Be safe. We'll talk to you then.
1: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on.